we're going to be talking for the next four weeks about where we're going. What is our vision? And um, it's very important that you know where you're going, right? When you need to go somewhere, you need to know where you're going. Do you remember in the old days how we used to know where we're going? We pulled out a map. Do you remember? Does anybody remember using a map? That's what it looks like, young people. Uh, it's a, it was a paper thing with roads on it, and we looked at it to find where we were going. And um, you know, if you didn't know where you were going and you had to look it up on a map, you would look for it. But then after that, you would try to look for landmarks and, and think about where you were in orientation to your house and to the downtown. So you didn't have to pull out the map all the time, right? Because it was a pain. And so you actually kind of knew where you were going. You, you learned where you were in relation to the rest of the, of the city. Today, we don't have to do that, do we? We pull out our phones. I meant to have my phone up here. You know, we pull out our phones, right? And we put an address into the GPS, and we just do what it tells us, right? We just go. You can go all over the United States and have no idea where you are because you can just plug in the address, and it'll just tell you where to go, and you don't know what state you're in. It doesn't matter. You just, you could just follow the thing, right? <laughs> and, and so, you know, some people do get in trouble with this, not knowing where they are and using their GPS. I'm going to tell you a couple of GPS fails. There was a couple, or uh, three women who were driving, young women who were driving a beautiful Mercedes-Benz SUV in Bellevue, Washington, and they were driving along when they didn't know where they were. And it was after midnight, they had their GPS on them, so they were blindly following the GPS. The GPS told them to turn right, so they turned right on what they thought was a road, and instead, what it really was, was a boat launch over the very large Mercer Swamp. And so those ladies just drove confidently and boldly right down that boat launch, right into the swamp. They all got out safely. I can't say as much for the Mercedes-Benz. It did not do so well. But they ended up in the swamp. Another story maybe has a little bit more of a spiritual end to, uh, you know, angle to it. Maybe the GPS was trying to do some spiritual work. There was an older British couple in their 70s who were driving in southern Germany, and they didn't know where they were either, and so they were driving around blindly following their GPS. And what they didn't know is that their GPS was faulty. And so it made a mistake. It told them to turn right where there was no road, but because they're following their GPS, they just followed it. They turned right and drove right into the village church. Totaled the car, damaged the foundation of the church. Thankfully, the, the, again, the couple was fine. No parishioners were injured. I know about, you know, sometimes you're want to get back to church, but that's going a little too far, right? I mean, driving into the church. But this is the problem when you really don't you are, where you have no vision, you have no idea where you are, you're just blindly kind of putting one step in front of the other and going. And, and Paul and I have an ongoing argument about this when it comes to our GPS, because um, we like to set it differently as far as the map orientation is concerned. Now, Paul likes to set it, it's what's called track up. Now, you may not know that what it's called, but there should be a picture of it here. It's that little tiny arrow that tells you, you know, which way you're pointing, your orientation. And he likes to do a track up, which, see how the arrow is just pointing up, right? So no matter where, what direction you're going in, when you have it set at track up, it always points up. So every time you turn, if you turn right, then the whole map just kind of swivels underneath it, and now you're facing forward again. You know what I'm saying? Does everybody understand what I'm talking about here? And so you never really know where you're going. Because you don't know if you're going north or south or east or west. You don't know if you're going toward downtown or away. Like, you have no idea because it just always swivels the map so that it always looks like you're going forward, which to me looks like you're going north. But you're not. You're just going whatever direction this thing's telling you. I think this is insane, personally. Okay? 
I like it the other way, north up. Do we have any north up people here? Anybody like the north up? I see there's not many of us. We are a strong and sturdy crew. So north up means that it's actually according to the directionality. North is up, south is down, west is left, right, east is right. And so yes, sometimes your arrow will be pointing like left or down because that's the direction you're going in, okay? That makes complete sense. You know where you are in relation to other things. Now, I recognize that we're a small group. Most people, when they come into my car and look at my GPS, they're like, how can you follow that? Like, how do you know where you are? So I understand that um, maybe I'm an oddball there. I'll just say this. Someday, if all the GPS systems go out because we have a huge satellite disaster, you're going to want either me or Israel to be driving you around because we know where we are, okay? We know where we're going. We have the vision. I'm driving at, literally, driving at a spiritual lesson here. And it's from Proverbs 29:18, And it says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. When we don't know where we're going... We don't end up anywhere, and it can even be dangerous to us. We might end up in swamps or in the side of a building. We need vision. And this is why over the past six months, our leadership team has been gathering together. We've been praying and talking about what is our vision at Gate City Vineyard? Who are we? What kind of people are we? What's our culture? And what are we meant to do? What are we called to do? And we've gotten some great feedback from all of you. We love that. I want to continue to give you, have that feedback from you. First of all, if you walked in here and didn't grab, there is a whole copy of the vision statement out there on that little table. So you can grab one if you want on your way out. Um, and there's also a little slip of paper that says, comments or questions about the vision. So I'm going to be speaking about this for the next few, mu- few weeks, but you're, we would love to hear your questions or just comments. Love this, don't love this, what, you know, I'm interested in this, what do you mean by this? Would love to hear your comments. You can just throw it right in the tithe box on your way out. So um, just h- love to get your feedback, but we're going to be talking about vision and our distinctives as a church. I want us to be clear on who we are. And what we're trying to do and where we're going together as a church, what, what God is calling us to do. This is the kingdom work. We're talking about building, our king, building the kingdom here. Well, God has a particular plan for us to build the kingdom of God here at Gate City Vineyard, and I'm excited about that. Now, I want to say a couple of things about church vision statements before we actually get into ours. The first thing is that our vision is not necessarily better or more right than anyone else's vision statement. I look on other church websites all the time. I always go to their vision statement about, you know, vision. And I read it and I go, oh, that's good. Oh, why didn't I think of that? Like, I mean, they're all so good. You read other churches' websites and their vision statements and you think, that's awesome. I love that. I could jump into that one and I like this one too and I like this one too because God's work is big. God's church is big and so much good work is going on all over the country, even just in Greensboro. If you went through every church and just began to look at their websites, you'd say, wow, God is doing some great stuff. God is doing some great work. And it's interesting because some churches really focus their vision on the particular demographic they're reaching, right? In the city, maybe, um, in the country, whether urban professionals or the poor or, you know, the different people they're trying to reach, the arts community. And so sometimes you see that in a vision statement because churches, like people, have a personality. They have gifts and talents and passions that define that church and and. That's how God's work gets done all over the world. 
And so that is to say that if at some point you say, you know what, that other church has a vision that I personally resonate with more, you know, then, then maybe that's where you should be. We, we send you with, your, with our blessing because it's all God's work. God is doing beautiful things all over the city. He's doing beautiful things all over the world. And so we, we, wanna, we wanna join with other churches. We wanna, we wanna cheer on their vision as we hope that they're cheering on ours. Amen? So that's the first thing, is that our vision's not necessarily better. The second thing is that our vision should not necessarily fundamentally surprise you in any way. Okay, um, it kind of should come out of who we are, and it's a church. We're a church, so a church vision um, shouldn't come out of left field. If it does, there's something wrong. If I got up here today and I said to you, you know what, the board and I, we've been praying, we've been thinking, we've been seeking the Lord, and we have decided the vision for Gate City Vineyard is we are going to build bigger and better lawnmowers. They're going to be awesome. You can sit in them, and you can ride, and they're quiet, and they're smooth, and you're going to just mow your lawn, and you'd be like, what is wrong with her? You know, why did we hire her? What? What? No, a church vision, actually, all church visions, in a sense, should be the same. We all have the same goal. There are going to be different wording and different specifics, but the goal is the same because Jesus has given us, given us some very, very clear commands. I think you already know what they are, but two of them, he said, these are the greatest commandments. The first one, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Church better be about Jesus. <laughs> it better be about God. Now, I have to say that because there's actually some churches that aren't really about God. They're about lots of other things, but not really about God. But our church, a church that follows Jesus, is going to be about God. It's going to be about loving him and getting to know him and serving him and worshiping him like we did so beautifully this morning. That's, you know, that's going to be the focus, right? That has to be part of a church vision. But then Jesus said a second commandment too, right? What did he say? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. So loving others, caring for others, and a lot of things can fall into that. We'll be talking about those over the weeks, but a lot of things fall into that, but that, that's also got to be part of who we are. It's not just about us and our little enclave here. It's about loving others, loving our neighbors. And then finally, Jesus said, right as before he left this earth, he gave us another command. Anybody know what it might be? Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're meant to go out and tell people about Jesus. We're meant to spread that love around and help people find him and be baptized and come into the kingdom. So that's, that's all, all of that should be part of a church vision. We could put different language around it. We could put different, you know, ideas and specifics around it, but it, but it should come down to that. If you do go to another church, make sure this is what they're about because that's what a church vision should be about. And so then you might ask, well, why, why shouldn't that just be our vision? Love God, love your neighbor, make disciples. And honestly, lots, a lot of churches, that's their vision statement, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. We, we just felt, as a church, we are, we are 80 to 100 people or so. If you've got everybody who's on our list in the room at the same time, it's probably how many we would be. And we can't do everything. We can't do it all because we're, we're not a huge church. And so we wanted to say, God, what are you calling us to do? What's a specific, um, f the, the specific goal for us? And that vision, we hope, is flowing out of who we are as a body, who you are. It's not something that we just cook up, up in another room, but it is something that flows out of who we are as a body, what passions are here, what people are here, and what cultures are, culture is here. God has brought this group of people together 
for such a time as this. Let me say that again. God has brought all of you here together in this place for such a time as this. There's a specific goal and a specific call on all of us, and God is going to bring other people, new people, to join with us in that vision, and that's awesome. Which leads me to my final thought about visions, which is that church visions do evolve over time. I don't at all believe that this is the only vision you will ever have, we will ever have, or that we should have. It doesn't mean that your last vision wasn't good. I mean, it's just that visions change because churches change. Just like people, we grow, we evolve, new people come and go. Um, there's new passions and gifts. In fact, there'll be new, over the years, there'll be new issues in our culture to address. Our neighborhood could change, and that could all change the focus of our vision, how we might focus our ministries. But, but the emphasis will always be the same, loving God, loving our neighbor, and making disciples. Does that make sense? That makes sense, people. Amen. So this is the time to jump in with the point of stating this all is for you to be able to say, is this something I can get behind? Is this something I'm excited to jump in? Um, at, you know, I, I was thinking about this. If you were, you know, working at Toyota, and they said to you, you know, you and your team, you're charged with building this, the autonomous self-driving car. Okay, that's your job. You're gonna, we want you to put, you know, make that happen with your team. You can't go into that project thinking, oh, I just wish for the old days when we could just drive our own car. I just love driving my own car. Like, you can't, right? You have to go into that, that commission that you have with passion, with energy, bringing all your intelligence and all your engineering training to make this car drive itself. And so in the same way, we love looking at the past, we honor the past, we're thankful for the past and all the things that God has done, and yet we also say, Lord, what are you calling us to? Where are you taking us forward? And so we always look forward. God does a new thing. He says his mercies are new every morning. I behold, I'm doing a new thing, God says. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. I want to say one last thing, which is I should point out the obvious, that we, when you read the sheet that we handed out, you might say, well, we don't do all this. <laughs> and of course, we're not fully there yet. The idea behind a vision is that it's a, it's a, it's a goal, it's something we're shooting for. So we're, we're a work in progress, just like each of us individually is a pretty much a work in progress. I know I'm a work in progress, um, and so are we as a church. And so this is what we pray, that we would be a church and ask the question, what would it look like if we did embody this vision, if we did live it out? So let's talk about vision. Somebody say vision. 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 All right, so I started with this, this verse Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. What does that vision mean? What is, it, what, is, what is he talking about here? And the Hebrew word for vision here is hazon, which can mean both literally vision, like sight, seeing ahead, but can also mean the idea of revelation. In fact, a lot of your Bibles, if you looked it up, um, the translation would be revelation, meaning the revelation of the prophets, meaning the word of God. So there's actually a bit of an argument among scholars about this verse, what it means. Um, some will say it only means the revelation from the prophets, meaning that all the verse is saying is that we need to follow the Bible. Where there's no Bible, the people perish, right? So we should just follow the Bible. But it seems to me like it's a broader meaning here between seeing and the revelation that God has given. And I love the way Reverend Tim Keller puts it, Pastor Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. He, he says, it's probably best to take the two meanings together, sight, seeing ahead, 
and revelation, the revelation that God's giving us. Having vision means we both need to see ahead, have a goal and a plan for the future, but that plan must be based on the revelation that is in God's word. It must be from Jesus. And this is critical. The board and I can't just go into a closet and say, we're coming up with a vision, whatever it is, new lawnmowers. We can't, no, the vision must emerge. It, It must emerge from the word of God, be grounded in the word of God, and then brought to bear to a certain people in a particular place and time, and so that we can see ahead to what we're meant to do. Here's how Uh, Dr. Keller puts it. He says, Christian leaders, guided by the wisdom of God's word, must set before people goals that honor God and serve others. The best leaders are those who can paint a compelling picture of the future, who can say, this is the world I want to see who's with me. I hope I can be that kind of leader. I hope we can have a vision here that we're excited to say. We we see where God's taking us. This vision is for all of us. It's not just something we're going to put on our website and stick on a a poster in the lobby. This is something for every one of us to live out together. And even if you're new today or if you're visiting and you are belong to another church, you're listening online, this is a challenge. It's a challenge to all of us. Are we living according to the vision of what God has called us to do? Are we living according to his commands? So let's jump in, okay? Let's jump into the opening statement. If you do have the sheet, you don't need the sheet. I'm only going to really talk about the first little paragraph, the kind of opening statement of our vision today. Let me just read it to you. Gate City Vineyard is a welcoming, come-as-you-are community of Jesus followers who seek to spread the love of God wherever we go and invite people to experience that love for themselves. Let me say it again. Gate City Vineyard is a welcoming, come-as-you-are community of Jesus followers who seek to spread the love of God wherever we go and invite people to experience that love for themselves. Very, very simple. Very straightforward. Three main points I want to say to you about this. The first, that we're a welcoming come-as-you-are community. If you've been in the vineyard for a little bit, you know this is a vineyard value. You can come to the vineyard any which way you are. Okay, you can come if you're all dressed up. You can come if you're in sweats and look like you just rolled out of bed. You can come if you have your act all together and everything's going well. You can come if you are completely falling apart. You can come if you are happy as a clam, and you can come if you're weeping as you walk in the door. You are welcome here. That is what a vineyard church is. That's what Gate City Vineyard is. A lot of the, uh, several members of the congregation went to the vineyard conference last week. And one of the speakers at the conference was John Elmer, who is our super regional leader. If you know the uh, organization, the vineyard, he's kind of over our whole eastern seaboard area of churches. And he tells a story about how he came to the vineyard. And he said it was in the uh, 1980s. He and his wife were out in California, and they were looking for a church. And so they started going to a kind of wealthy, well-to-do type of church in in a wealthy part of town. Except that he said he didn't exactly look the part. He said he was in a very anti-materialistic phase at that stage in his life. So he said what he mostly wore all the time was army fatigues and a black T-shirt. He had a lot of long hair and a lot of facial hair. He said he was very often mistaken for a homeless person. So he said, this gives you an idea of kind of the look that he was carrying. And so he said they went into this church, and they, they wanted to serve, and they wanted to be part of the church, so they just started going to this church. For six months, they were there, faithfully going and worshiping. And after six months, the pastor took him aside, 
And he got kind of excited because he thought, oh, maybe he's going to ask me to help out with something. Like he was, you know, there for a while. And the pastor looked at him and he said, I'm so sorry, but I don't think you really belong in this church. You don't really fit in here. And John was stunned, as you probably are, you know, stunned by this. He's telling me to go somewhere else. And so he looked at the pastor. He said, well, where should I go? And the pastor looked at him. He said, well, maybe you should go to the vineyard church down the street. They'll take anybody. (laughs) Amen to that. It's a funny story, but it's a sad one, right? How sad that that pastor said that to him. But I love that the pastor knew those vineyard people, they'll take anybody. (laughs) That's us, y'all. That's who we are. I love that. I love that. Let's be that way. One of the goals of this church is to be a place where every person who walks in the door is welcome, no matter who they are. That's why we have right now, still going on, a diversity working group. You're um, welcome to ask Melinda about how that's going, but we have a group that we're ta- they're talking about how can we make sure that we are a welcoming place, that no one comes in the stores and feels unwelcome, whether based on their gender or race or ethnicity or disability or lifestyle or anything, that they would feel welcomed when they would come in this place. Because that's loving your neighbors yourself. That's, that's love, is to love people exactly where they are. Jesus can take care of whatever needs to be taken care of, but we're meant to love them. Love them as they are, and then together look to Jesus. And so let's be that kind of community. Many scriptures speak to this part of our vision. I'm just going to talk to you briefly from Romans 12. Um, the heading of this section in Romans 12, in my Bible anyway, calls it love and action, and that's what we're meant to do. So let me, let me read this to you from Romans 12. And, and notice all the words of what we're, how we're meant to treat one another and anyone coming in the door. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So much in that passage, right? I could take a whole sermon series and unpack every line of that. But let me just, you know, call out to you what, how we're meant to love one another. Being devoted to each other to be devoted as a church to one another, caring for each other, honoring one another, sharing with those in need, being generous, practicing hospitality, having people to our homes, going out with people, blessing those who curse you. Oh, do we need that in this age of of social media and instead of blessing people who curse us, we just kind of mess with them back. No, blessing those who curse us, rejoicing with those who rejoice, mourning with those who mourn, listening to where they, are, where they are suffering, living in harmony with one another, associating with people of low position, and living at peace with everyone. That's our vision. That's who we are. And let me just say this, that that vision is not carried out by the institution of Gate City Vineyard. There is no institution to carry that out. It's carried out by the church. And who's the church, people? You guys are the church. Every one of you, you and you and you and me, we are the church. And so this is carried out person to person. 
one-to-one to the homeless person and to the poor person and to the rich person and to the Democrat and the Republican and to the, the person who believes or is questioning and the person that's a skeptic, the person who's young and who's old, who's black or white or brown. It's to each one of us, one-to-one another. That's how we're meant to love one another. That's what this vision is about. All right, so that's the first thing. We are welcoming come-as-you-are community. Now let's go to the second part of our statement, and that is that we're Jesus followers. This is the shortest part of the statement, but probably, arguably, the most important. We sang about that this morning, didn't we? Jesus at the center. We're going to be all about Jesus here, okay? (laughs) Um, In case you're wondering, uh, if you walk in here and you don't know about Jesus, you don't know if you believe in Jesus, that's fine. We love that. Well, we welcome you here, but I'm going to warn you, we're going to talk a lot about Jesus because Jesus is the center. We sang it. Jesus be the center of this church. Jesus will be the center. And so I don't have to remind you that we're Jesus followers. We're not, we're not I don't know, politician fo- followers. We're not pastor followers. We're not even philosophy followers or even denominational followers, we are Jesus followers. Please, please, please don't be a Beth follower. (laughs) Don't be a Pastor Beth follower. Be a Jesus follower. So much hardship and hurt has come in the church over the, we've seen it. If you've been in the news, you have seen it over and over again. Pastors that were elevated to a place because they were very successful, they were very well regarded, they were great speakers, whatever they were, and so that suddenly their word became more important than Jesus's. And what happens in that situation, that pastor with that charisma and, with that, and the success that they're enjoying, now no one will call them on anyone, on anything. They have no accountability because, wow, look at all the people coming to Jesus. And meanwhile, there's abuse going on or there's, there's immorality going on and no one knows it. And, and if you've read the news, you've seen the pain and the suffering that comes as a result of that. And the church is taken down. The, the kingdom is damaged because of that. And it's all because the pastor is followed instead of Jesus. I mean, we can blame the pastor, and certainly a lot of the blame lands there. But I also feel like as people of God, it happens when we lift up a pastor, we put them on a pedestal, or any other kind of spiritual leader. It might be someone you listen to on TV or on the radio. You know, we lift them up to a certain place. We put them on a pedestal when the only one who should be lifted up is Jesus. Amen. The only one. The only one. I got to tell you that the Apostle Paul calls the Corinthians out on this, okay? He does not mess around. He says this. He calls them worldly. Why? Because they say, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos. My pastor is this. My pastor is that. That shouldn't be how we describe ourselves. We should describe ourselves that we're Jesus followers. So Apostle Paul calls them out and he says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 5-9, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Now I think this is fascinating because Paul was pretty amazing, okay? He wrote most of our New Testament. He was extremely gifted. He was extremely successful in his ministries and, and he knew that and yet he says, what is Paul? Only servant through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I, Paul, planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. I'm not anything. The board, sorry guys and gals, but you're, you're not anything either. We're just members, people who love Jesus and are given our gifts to the body. We're not anything because it is God 
Only God makes things grow. That's what the scripture says. So we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. So please, you are God's. Don't be a pastor follower. Let's be Jesus followers together. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. amen. I also want to say, let's not be a political candidate follower either. Every candidate in our political system, whether left or right, will use their faith as part of their platform. We understand that. It gets votes. Whether, whether, whichever direction they go in, whatever policy they have, whether it's on gun control or abortion or gay rights or, or anything else, um, the environment, they mix it up with some Christian language, and this is how we get people who are very convinced that their candidate is God's candidate. Kinda, it's a little crazy when you think about it. And I just want to say to us this morning that Jesus had nothing to do with any of that. It was really fascinating. One of the speakers at the conference as well spoke on this. Uh, incredible talk, which we'll hopefully get in your hands at some point. We don't have the copy of it yet. But he mentioned this, that Jesus had every opportunity to take a political stance. He had every opportunity to side with a political ruler. He had every opportunity to become a political figure. And guess what? He resisted it every time. So it's awesome if you love politics, you want to talk about it, you want to talk about policies and all of that. That is great. We can have opinions. We can, in this room, I imagine we have opinions on every side of the political spectrum, and I think that's beautiful. Okay, that's the kingdom of God. We have every side in this room, but here at Gate City Vineyard, what we're going to be about is Jesus. All right, say Jesus, somebody. Jesus. We're going to be about Jesus and spreading his love, and spreading the kingdom, and building the kingdom here on earth. Build your kingdom here, we sang. That's what we're going to be about here. And here's the glorious truth. When you follow Jesus, he never changes. Everything else changes. Every other leader, every other politician, every other thing. The world is changing. COVID's changing stuff. Polarization, deconstruction, all this stuff. Things are changing around us. I do not know what the church will look like in 5 or 10 or 20 years. We might be much more persecuted than we are now. We might be much less persecuted. <laughs> we might be meeting in buildings or we might be meeting in homes secretly. I don't know. We, don't, we have no idea. But guess what we do know? That Jesus is Lord, that he is still saving souls, that he wants to save the souls of your neighbors and your friends and your family. He wants to bring healing into your life, and he can do any of that no matter what any of that other stuff is going on because Jesus never changes. I want you to remember that it's Jesus who changed your life. That it's Jesus who died on the cross for you and me. That it's Jesus who set you free from sin and death. That it's Jesus who dwells in your heart by faith. It's Jesus we lift up and worship and praise. It is Jesus who sets us free and gives us healing. And it's Jesus who's going to come riding through the clouds one day to take us home to him. That is all we got to know. Because we're Jesus followers. Amen? Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So finally, we spread the love of God wherever we go, inviting people to experience that love for themselves. And what I love about this line is it encapsulates two things that sometimes are in conflict in churches. What are we meant to do as a church? Are we meant to do good in the world, serve, help the poor, fight injustice, you know, take care of people out in the world? Or are we meant to evangelize and draw people to Jesus and talk about Jesus? And I hope that most of you would, would, would see what we've talked about already here over this last year is that it's both. The answer is yes. We're meant to serve and love in the community and be a light in the community, but also, also share our story and talk about Jesus. And this is a vineyard distinctive as well. 
that what we seek to occupy is this place that we call the radical middle. It's that we're not afraid to have two things kind of in tension that are biblical truths, and they're both true, and we, we hold them together. For example, the kingdom is already here, but also not yet here. So because we believe the kingdom is here, it means when we come up for prayer, we believe that God can heal, that God can, can intervene in this physical world and change the situation. He can heal, he can transform lives, he can make his, his light shine in a way, he can use us as kingdom people. All that's true, but at the same time, the kingdom's not fully here. Right, because we, there's still hardship, there's still pain, there's still suffering out in the world. And so we hold those two things in tension that the kingdom is here already, but not yet here. We also hold in tension this idea that the Bible is our, our rule of law, it is the truth. And we, we follow it, but we also listen to the Spirit, because we know the Spirit also speaks to us. And so we, we listen for God. We also know that God wants to do spiritual healing, but also physical healing. And we know that God is doing, bringing about spiritual justice and righteousness and reconciliation, but he also wants to do social justice and righteousness and reconciliation in our world. So he is, it, we live in that tension. And I gotta tell you that I think this is one of the things that makes us really unique as a church in this area. Because churches do tend to kind of swing one way or the other. And we are going to deliberately hold on to that middle ground. <laughs> We're gonna hold on to that middle ground. Jesus told us to be a light on the hill. Let me read to you from Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I love that because we tend to think about shining your light as being a light evangelism, but it's also saying it's your good deeds that people are going to see, loving your neighbor, caring for women and, and babies, fighting against injustice and racism, providing for the refugee, all of this is doing good needs and shining the light of Jesus. And at the same time, he says to us, at the end, as Jesus is, is about to leave the earth, he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we're also meant to be a witness. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago in our Blessed series, we got to speak the name of Jesus. We've got to talk about what he's done in our lives so people know that it's Jesus that we follow, that he's the one that can set them free. So when we talk in our vision statement, when you see this at a line, spreading the love of God wherever we go, I want you to just be holding in your mind that we are thinking there's no conflict between evangelism and also doing social works and social reform. I love the way um, Phil Vischer puts it. He looks back through our church history, and he points out a few people in our history who have done just this. William Wilberforce attended and led Bible studies, but at the same time, he fought to end the slave trade, both, both evangelism and um, social reform. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote movingly and deeply about discipleship in Jesus, but at the same time he was fighting an evil regime in World War II in very practical and dangerous ways. We have Pandina Ramabai who fought for women's rights in India, but at the same time she translated the entire Bible into her language so those Indian women could come to know Jesus. And Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King prayed and they worked for revival in their churches. He was a preacher before he was marching the streets. He was preaching, but also moved and, and walked and worked for civil rights and reform. Boy, we, we can both serve the community and share our story. And when doing this, we get to the end of our little, our little vision statement, which is by this, others may know 
they will have the opportunity to meet Jesus too. This is what we desire, that they would come to see the light of Jesus as we walk in it. And we've put no stumbling block in their way. We haven't required them to be a certain way, act a certain way, vote a certain way. No, they can just come as they are into the light of Jesus. And he can transform them the way he's done it for us. This is what we're all about as a church. Let me read to you the statement one more time. Gate City Vineyard is a welcoming, come-as-you-are community of Jesus followers who seek to spread the love of God wherever we go and invite people to experience that love for themselves. So much packed in that little statement. So we're going to keep unpacking this vision and distinctives over the next several weeks. Um, Most of all, I want us to keep in mind that this is not a theoretical discussion. Again, this is not something we're just going to throw up on our website, put on the wall, and, you know, we all can say, oh, that looks good. I hope you all have a good time doing that. I'm just going to come to church. No, no, no. (laughs) This vision is going to be carried out by every person in this church. That's the only way it can be carried out. I can't certainly do it alone. I can't even do it with my very fine board. You know, every one of us needs to be walking out this vision. And God has great plans for Gate City Vineyard. I mean, I'm excited to see what God is going to do. So I want to charge you today. I'm going to charge you with, from this little vision. I want to charge you first to be a welcoming come-as-you-are community. Start today. If there's anyone in this place who's, you, you look around, you say, oh, they're sitting by themselves, or they look like, you know, they don't know if they fit in, go talk to them. Make a friend, talk to someone that you haven't talked to here before. Welcome them into your life in some way. Invite them for coffee, have them to your house, whatever. Let's be a welcoming come as you are community, and let's start right now. Okay, let's welcome each other. But let's also be a Jesus follower. Amen. Let's not get caught up in causes and conspiracies and politicians and prophets. No, let's, let's follow Jesus. Let's make him the center of our lives. Let's call on him. Let's grow. Let's learn the word and study it together. We're going to be starting small groups in the fall. Just a little plug for we're going to study John. Let's get, get yourself in a small group. Let's study the word together. Let's grow as Jesus followers. And finally, let's spread the love of Jesus wherever you go, inviting people to experience that love for yourself. And you know, I know that every one of you is going to do this in different ways. Some of you are called to share that light in the school system. You're getting ready for it to start pretty soon. So you share that. <laughs> I won't say that out loud. But you, you are called to be a light there. That's, that's, that's the place where you're going to be a light. It could be it's by feeding the poor or helping mothers in crisis pregnancies or, or foster children. It could be by getting involved in issues in our community and justice issues. It could be many different things. You also might have the gift of evangelism, and maybe you need to step out and start to talk to people and invite them to share about Jesus. Maybe you have a gift of hospitality. You need to start inviting people to your house or inviting them out to dinner. All of you, all of us, include myself in this, Let's shine, shine, shine for Jesus. Let's shine out there in our world. Let's shine one into another. Let's shine out there in that world. And then let's invite people to come stand in that light and see the light and love of Jesus for themselves. Let's pray. Father, I just want to take a moment and let those words kind of just sit with us. So let's just take a moment of of quiet.
sense that some of us are, are, are wanting, are resonating with that first statement, being a welcoming come-as-you-are community. Maybe there's something in you that says, I want to be part of that. I want to make that happen for people to come in this place. Maybe it means you need to just be part of the greeter team. Greet people. Talk to Lisa. Maybe you need to be part of the diversity team. Talk to Melinda. Or maybe just somehow you want to step out more, step out in meeting people and loving people and caring for people that come into your home and building. And so I pray now for you that you would just say yes to God. Or maybe even a person that God's put on your heart to be welcoming and loving towards. And some of you might be saying, I, I need to be more of a Jesus follower. I've gotten caught up a little bit in all the stuff going on, causes and conspiracies, politicians and prophets. I want to be focused on you, Jesus. There may be someone here today who's never become a follower of Jesus. You're saying, that sounds good. I want, to, I want that. So I want to invite you. This is, this is a moment where you could invite Jesus into your life. You could become a Jesus follower today. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we come to you. We want to be a follower of yours, Lord. And some of you might have been moved more by this, the idea of being a light out in the world. And there's maybe a, a cause or a people group or an issue inside or outside this church that you're feeling like, yeah, I'm, I'm meant to do something there. I'm meant to put my hand to the plow. I'm meant to use my gifts for that. Lord, show us, speak to us. Stadi sings this last song. This is just going to be a, a, a song of reflection, a song of response. If you would like to come up and be prayed for, we will have a prayer team up here at the front table. But I invite you to sing the song, but even if you don't want to sing it, to just talk to God about this. Let him speak to you. Let's respond to him. <laughs>